Hello, everyone. Welcome to Refuge Fellowship. I'm just so grateful that you could join us today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this opportunity to study your word. Lord, as we dig deep into your word, Lord, I just pray for your outpouring of your spirit, Lord. I just, I want to hear from you today, Lord. Lord, I want to, I want to hear from you like the people heard from you, just like when this Peter preached this sermon that we are going to study today, Lord. Lord, I know there's so many people out there right now that are just looking for some encouragement, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would go out right now, Lord, just throughout this country and throughout this world, Lord, and just remind people it's time to fellowship, it's time to worship, it's time to study your word, it's time, Lord, just to spend some time with Jesus. So, Lord, I pray that you'd remove all the distractions that would be out there right now, that the power would be on, the internet would remain working, our cell data would be enough, that there would just be... Just a time, a sweet, sweet time that we could spend with you, Father. Time that we could study your word and just learn. Learn more about who you are and just how much you love one, each one of us, Lord, and the plans that you have for each one of us, Lord. So, Lord, I just pray we hear from you right now, Lord. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Welcome again to Refuge Fellowship. Now, those that were with us last week or that follow us each and every week, you would know that we've been continuing our study through Acts. And last week we were in Acts chapter 2, and we looked at the first 13 verses. I don't know those that you remember. But we learned about how God had poured out His Spirit. He had poured out His Spirit, remember, on all believers. That's all people that came to faith in Jesus Christ, that they have called upon Jesus as their Lord and Savior. He has now poured out His Spirit upon these people. And this is amazing, because it enables us, the believers, to be equipped, right? To have the resource that we need to go out and fulfill that purpose that God has given for each one of us, right? To go out into this lost world and share the love of Jesus with all those around us, starting in our homes and our neighborhoods, all the way out into the utter ends of the earth. Today, as we study this, we're going to see an example of this and what this looks like. You know, before we get going, I asked you a question last week, but I want to ask you again this week. Are you personally experiencing the Holy Spirit working in your life today? What about this week? I want you to think about this question, especially as we go through this sermon. Think about it as you go out through this next week. How is the Holy Spirit working in your life? How are you experiencing the power of God in your life? How is the Holy Spirit working through you to accomplish things in your life, to fulfill the purpose, the calling that he's given each one of you. Think about this as we go through this sermon. Don't just think about it. though. I, I think you need to pray. Just We all need to pray that God would reveal the answers to this question to you. Reveal more of the Holy Spirit to you. Because you know we're called to further his kingdom. And we do this through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You know, as I, I thought about this question myself, and I thought about it, I, I personally see four areas where the Holy Spirit would work in my life, in your life, I think first thing I see is personally is where I see the Holy Spirit working, right? I'm going to expound on this in a minute, but then I see also my family, right? My household. And then I think of the church, but then also the fourth thing I think about is just the world, the world that I have the opportunity to go out and interact with, those that I run into. I'd like to just look at these Four things real quick. First, personally. How do you see the Holy Spirit working personally in your life? Have you experienced a victory over sinful behaviors, maybe? 
That'd be the Holy Spirit. Maybe it was something that you could never seem to overcome a sin before, but the Holy Spirit has given you that power. Have you experienced the Holy Spirit in this way? Maybe as you read your Bible, you see God just speaking through his word to you. That's through the Holy Spirit. Maybe as you read certain passages, he speaks clarity or an understanding to you that you didn't have before. Maybe it just speaks to you some deeper truths in the Bible. Maybe he's just personally instructing you on what he wants you to do in your life, what path to follow. And also, I think personally, the Holy Spirit, he will mold you into that person, right? Mold you into that person that can fulfill the purpose that God has for each of you. The second area I mentioned was family. Think about that. How is the Holy Spirit working within your family? Has the Holy Spirit enabled you to minister to the ones that are closest to you? Your husband, your wife, your children, your closest family, your cousins, your friends? Are you able to... Here's a question, especially in this pandemic, especially in this lockdown. Are you able to love them in the same manner that Christ has loved you? If you're able to do that, the Holy Spirit's working in your life. I know for me, I can say that. I know it's only through the Holy Spirit that I am able to express this same grace, this same mercy, and this same love that God has given me to the people in my own family, in my own household. The same love that Jesus gave me. That's the Holy Spirit working. You know, that's, I, I think about that. That, that. During this lockdown, that's amen if we can do that. That's the Holy Spirit. I'm not capable. The third thing I mentioned was the church. Now, we're online church right now, but we still have contact with everyone. Are you loving the church in the same way that Jesus loves you? Or same way that Jesus loves the church? Are we following the commandments from Jesus to show his love through the love for our fellow brothers and sisters within the church? Are you loving your brothers and sisters in Christ the same way that Christ has loved you? I, I'll be very honest. I'm not capable on my own to love as Jesus has called me to love. I'm not capable. It's, just, it's Very honestly, I'm not. But praise God, through this outpouring of this Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit dwelling in me, we can glorify God through our love for the church, our love for each other. This is done through the Holy Spirit. The fourth area, I thought, is the world. The world around us. This is our neighbors, our schools, um, our workplaces. I mean, it just includes all the people that we'd encounter during our different daily activities. Think about all the people. I mean, what about the taxi drivers, the bus drivers, the people on the bus, the server at the tea shop or the restaurant, maybe uh, the market workers, the people that you buy your vegetables from, or anyone else that we would encounter. As we encounter all these people in our daily walk, as we go out throughout the world, when they meet us, when they talk to us, when they encounter us, what happens? Does our interactions with them draw them to seek and know who Jesus is? Or do they encounter us and turn, turn the other way, turn from seeking Jesus, saying, I wouldn't even want to know Jesus if that person's a Christian? Difficult question. And I'll tell you what, if, if I am to be that person that would draw people to Jesus by my encounter, they need to see the Holy Spirit. They need to see Jesus in me. I, if they see me, it's a problem, right? They need to see Jesus when they see me. And this again, this is that outpouring of that Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit's presence in our life. If 
Anyone I interact is going to see Jesus is only through the Holy Spirit. Today, we're going to look at a sermon. A sermon by Peter. He's going to preach, but he's not He's not going to preach. It's really going to be through this outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we're going to see this take place. I mean, as we're going to get into this message, but after Peter shares this message and shares this good news and shares the gospel, over 3,000 people come to faith in Jesus Christ, asking, what do we do? How do we become believers of Jesus Christ? Think about that. This is amazing. Now, I think all of us, we kind of, if we've been reading our Bibles and been in a church a while, we're pretty familiar with Peter, right? Everyone knows Peter, right? Now, I, I don't think that these 3,000 people came to know Jesus because of how eloquent Peter preached, right? I don't think that's the case. Maybe, I mean, would you think to describe Peter as an eloquent man or an eloquent speaker? I don't think so, no. Maybe, no, it wasn't his extensive education, was it, that, that made it so he could preach a sermon that 300 came to Christ? He was a fisherman, he, I don't, he probably wasn't even educated. I could go on explaining about Peter in all the ways that he was not qualified, right? Or all the ways that wouldn't have drawn people to Christ. But what is it that would empower Peter to preach in such a way that thousands of people would hear and turn their lives over to Jesus? It's the Holy Spirit. It wasn't Peter. Peter was willing. It's the Holy Spirit doing for us what we cannot do, convicting the world of its sin, and then pointing them to the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the Holy Spirit doing this through the outpouring of His Spirit through Peter. And He still does this today with each of us. So let's get going. If you've got your Bibles, you're going to need them. Open up to Acts chapter 2. Everyone got your Bibles? Acts chapter 2. We're going to start just reading the first couple of verses, 14 and 15. You there? All right, let's read them together. I'm in the New Living Translation. I'm not sure which translation you have. So Acts chapter 2, verse 14 through 15. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. After hearing the people's responses, right? If you, you would go back, you could look back at verse 13, right? They had just heard about this, this sounds and the people speaking in the different languages. And these people said, maybe they're just drunk, right? So Peter's responding right away here in verse 14. And he's going to address the crowd, right? But we read in this verse, he didn't come alone, right? He came, all 12 of the disciples came together as one accord. Now, when you just think about this, it says with the other 11 other apostles, they shouted to the crowd, they came forward, right? You're like, okay, well, think about this. Think of the consequences of these apostles coming forward and proclaiming Jesus at this time. Think about that. You think this was without consequence? I think there's very possible consequences, right? It's very likely that each and every one of them could face the same death, crucifixion, as Jesus did for what they're doing here. They're stepping out. But they weren't just stepping out. They're stepping out, which I believe, inside the temple, in the temple courts, and they're declaring Jesus is God. Think about this. This was bold. Very, very bold. This, 
There's a difference in these men today, right? We know what they've been doing for the last how long? We know Peter, right? He couldn't even stand up for Jesus for a, a little girl, right, before. Now he's in a crowd of 3,000 people inside the temple proclaiming Jesus is God. Something's different. Something is different. It's because the Spirit of God was now upon these disciples, upon these other 120 believers. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what's different. This new boldness they have, this new to come and proclaim the truth of Jesus, who he was and what he's done, it's amazing. Peter is now a vessel that God is using. He's using Peter. He's indwelling in him. He's outpouring his Holy Spirit. He's using him to share this wonderful news, right? The gospel, the good news. You know, as we look at this, this message, it, it, it starts right away. Peter is addressing this crowd, but he's doing it through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's just amazing. You know, the first thing right there, he just he clarifies this statement before, right, about being drunk. But now, God, Jesus, he has a message for these people. And he's going to use Peter to share it. Through the Holy Spirit, each one of these people were going to hear the gospel. They were going to hear the good news. It's amazing. So let's continue. Is it, Peter is going to continue. And let's look at verse 16 through 21. This uh, section of scripture is out of Joel, actually. So we're going to read the whole passage here in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, actually through 16 through 21. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last day, God says... I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see vision. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now we know this prophecy, it was written by Joel. And we see here this, you've got to really take this prophecy, I see two parts, right? In this first half, when you look at it, it was just only moments earlier, it was fulfilled. These, I mean, it's just amazing. These last days that it's talking about were now upon the world. It's, it's a new season, a new era. It's, now it's where the, the Spirit of God has been poured out on all believers. Now we've known, we've read our Bibles, right? We've seen and read about the Holy Spirit before. This isn't the first time, right? We've read about the Holy Spirit, even you see it in the Old Testament. We see it all through the Gospels. Um, we read all about it before this, this Pentecost, right? We read of the Holy Spirit. But we've got to think of it a different way. Maybe an analogy I could use is like oil being poured out, right? So before the Holy Spirit, if it was like oil being poured out, it was like God drops here and there on different people, right? To accomplish a certain purpose that he had for them, right? He anointed that person a few drops for that, fulfill that purpose for that time. But before, that's, that was it. But now, all of God's Spirit has been poured out on all the church, on all the believers. So... As we know, this has never happened before. The Spirit of God has never been poured out like this in, on all believers. But today, just as we read here, and just as it is true today, this is amazing and this is taking place now. Do you know that we are still in these last days? Meaning that just as these 120 believers that we read about had the Spirit of God poured out, 
It's the same today. The Spirit of God is poured out on all believers today. We need to know this. Through this empowering that comes through the Holy Spirit, right? He empowers us, right? He gives us many gifts. We, and we see this manifested through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But the reason is, it's very, his exclusive purpose in doing this and giving these gifts and, is to glorify God, to go out and share the gospel. That's the reason for all of this. Now, if you look at this back, this prophecy in Joel, you look back in Acts chapter 2, you see the second half really starting in verse 19. It's really still to come. It hasn't taken place yet. These wonders it's talking about in verse 19, they will take place, but this will take place at Jesus' second coming. There's going to be many different supernatural events leading up to the day of the Lord when he comes back, when he comes for us. And, you know, when you read this, it kind of seems maybe even a little scary. I mean, the sun will be dark, the blood will turn blood red, um, there'll be blood and fire and clouds of smoke. It seems a little scary almost, doesn't it? But look at the promise. Look at verse 21. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God, he, it just, he loves us so much. Right there it is. We will be saved from all of this. Now look closely. Look closely at that promise. What does it say? It says, everyone. You know, that's important. Everyone who calls on Jesus' name. Because, you know, as you think about that and ponder that, we know that at some point, every single person here on earth, right, they will die. They will pass from this earthly body. And at some point, they will pass either into the kingdom of God or into hell. But God gives us this amazing promise right here. Everyone, no man, no woman, nobody needs to perish. All, everyone who will come to faith in Jesus Christ will in, inherit eternal life in heaven. Such a beautiful promise I see there in verse 21. I mean, think about it. It doesn't matter, right, who a person is or where they're from or what they've done or what they haven't done. If they will just come to faith in Jesus Christ, this promise is there for each of us. It, if they will just rely upon, if they will repent of their sins and just come to faith, it's here. Everyone that calls on the name of our Lord Jesus will be saved. Let's continue. Let's see what else Peter's got to say. Let's look at verses 22 through 24. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him. As you well know, but God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed with the help of lawless Gentiles. You nailed him to the cross and killed him, but God released him from these horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in his grip. Peter, again, he calls for the attention of these people, right? These 3,000 people. He says, listen. Because the Holy Spirit is speaking through Jesus. You know, he's, he's speaking directly into the hearts of these people. Hopefully, like he's speaking to you today from God's word. Peter, he, look at this. He reminds them. He informs them that Jesus had been with them the entire time. And he proves this by stating this. You know, he, he said that Jesus proved to you who he was through many different works. He even brings up the point here. Look, that they refused to believe and then they rejected Jesus as their Messiah. Then to the point of crucifying him. He reminds them that he knew all of this would have taken place. God knew exactly how this was all going to take place. But not only did he allow it. Actually, it was 
per his plan, according to God's plan. So Peter makes sure that the people here that were listening knew it. He makes sure that we all know today that this was all according to God's plan. It was, and that we also know, most importantly, that God lets us know that it was him who had raised Jesus from death. It was him who had resurrected Jesus. Because Jesus is alive. You know, not even death, not even hell could hold Jesus from fulfilling this plan of God. So he tells these people, he tells us. You know, as I read these passages, and I thought, I just think of this, and I think about the promises and what Jesus has done for me in this. You know, being crucified, it brings me really personally to a place of worship and thanks as I think about this and I read this. Jesus knew everything. Still does. He knew everything that these... 3,000 people um, did or were going to do. He knows everything about me. Everything I've ever done was going to do. He knew everything, and yet he still chose us. He still chose to be crucified for us. Jesus, knowing all things loved me, still allowed himself to be placed on that cross. Look at the Peter is telling them that God knew. God knew that Jesus would be placed on that cross and still allowed it. Because he loved us. Would you, I think of this way. Would you give a gift, say, think of this gift, the most valuable thing that you own, or that you would possess. Have you thought of the gift? What would it be? You got it in your mind? What would be this gift, the most valuable thing you own? Would you give it to someone if you knew they were just going to take that gift and reject it and throw it out? I wouldn't. I would save that gift for someone that I would believe would appreciate it, right? And cherish the gift, right? That's how, I mean, that's how I would feel. But you think about it. If God had acted this way, right? If God had that attitude, none of us would have received Jesus. God loves us so much that he, knowing every single inner thought, every single inner part of us, still gave Jesus for each of our lives. It just, it just amazes me. I mean, think about the love, right? And just accept this gift. Is there some of you out there that haven't accepted this gift? Let's continue. Let's look at verse 25 through 28. King David said this about him. I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope. For you will not leave my soul among the dead, or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. Peter, look at this. This is a psalm, and Peter again is using the scriptures, using a psalm to prove to these people who Jesus is. He takes these Jewish people to their own patriarch. King David, right? He shows and explains through this psalm that Jesus is alive. It's a, you know, it's prophecy in this psalm. Do you see it? I think probably a lot of them read it before and they probably overlooked this psalm, not realizing that it was a prophecy in there. The Holy Spirit is obviously using Peter and using the Word of God to bring a truth to these people, to reveal Jesus to these people through the Word of God, through their own scriptures. And through this, many of these people would be led to come into faith. This psalm speaks clearly of Jesus and his resurrection. Do you see it? Look at verse 27. It's talking about the resurrection of Jesus. 
This whole, the Holy Spirit is who has revealed this to Peter, right? He also reveals this, I hope, to us as we read our Bibles, reveals these different truths. He's revealed it now to these people that Peter was preaching to. As we read and study our, our Bibles, I hope the Holy Spirit would just pull out deeper truths for you and you come to understand more and more who Jesus is and who we are in Jesus. Because as you look at even the Old Testament and the Psalms and you look at all the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, it's all about Jesus. It's always about Jesus and his love for each one of us. Let's continue. Let's look at verses 29 through 31. Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself, for he died and was buried, and his tomb is still here among us. But he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. Stop there for a minute. Peter is challenging the people. It's kind of brash, but I think Peter's really saying just use your brain. Look at this, right? Think about what has been said here. What King David has written. Use the wisdom that God has given you and seek out the truth in these passages. It's about Jesus and his resurrection. And you know, as we read this and we look at these passages, it's just as true for us today, right? We need to seek out Jesus. We need to seek him out in all things. And if we will seek Jesus in these things, he will be revealed to us. The truth will come forth. Jesus is real. He's alive. And he loves each one of you. Let's continue on. Look at uh, start verse 32. This is uh, 32 and 33. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we were all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of the highest honor in heaven, at God's right hand. And the Father, as he has promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. You know, Jesus, he's always been. Just think of that. Look at, also look at verse 32. What do you see when you read verse 32? Look there closely. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we're all witnesses of this. I just love that. Then look, continue, look at 33. What do you see? You get really look in there. I see the Trinity is what I see. Do you see that? In verse 33, I see Jesus, the Son. I see the Holy Spirit. And I see God the Father. I see this is how God has chosen to reveal himself to us today through the Trinity. In verse 33, again, Peter affirms what they had all witnessed. It's just, it's amazing when you see this and read this. All this had already been foretold by the prophets. God knew about all this. He planned all this out. But Peter, he's going to continue. Look at verse 34 through 35. For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. It's very clear when you read passages, especially like this, that even before, think about this, even before Jesus' birth, right? King David, through the Holy Spirit, spoke of Jesus' coming, right? His resurrection and his second coming. Peter has presented an answer through the scriptures, through King David and the Psalms, proof, proof to these Jewish people 
of who Jesus is, that Jesus is God, and he is alive, he is resurrected. You know, as I read this and see how Peter did this through the Holy Spirit, using Scripture, what a lesson for all of us, right? What a lesson that we learned from Peter. I, I was challenged with, we need to look for, through our Bibles, right, through the Scriptures, that's where we're going to find these truths. It's not somewhere else out in the world, some other book or document or some other person, it's through the Scriptures, Let's continue. Peter isn't done yet. He's got a little more he wants to say to these 3,000 people. So let's look at 36 through 41. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and he said to them and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and those far away, and all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those that believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. The truth, as we read this, is that for if anyone is to have their sins forgiven, there is only one way, and that's through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus is God. It's clear here from Peter. As we read through these passages, we see the Holy Spirit is using the disciples, especially in this situation here, using Peter to share who Jesus is to all these people. And you can see, read, what did the truth do? The truth pierced their hearts. You know, pierced their hearts of all these people that were present. And they responded. What did they say? Brothers, what should we do? You know, when I read this and I see this, this type of conviction, I believe this type of conviction truly only comes from God. It comes through the Holy Spirit speaking to them. You know, I personally think of my own testimony and I, I, I when I came to a point of surrender when I cried out just as these people did crying out what should I do I was so convicted but when they asked this question what should we do now they've they were convicted Peter lays out exactly to them what they should do just as what a person should do today that wants to be a follower of Jesus right first they need to come to a point where they know that they are a sinner right but then they once they realize that, they can know that there's a Savior. That Savior is Jesus Christ. So he gives, I think I see really steps that Peter gives, right? What should we do? I see step one, turning from your sin, repenting of your sin. Turning from your old life and turning to Jesus. That's the first step I see. Placing your faith in Jesus alone, seeking him and confessing your sins to God. Then I see there's a, a second step in these passages. That Peter says, once you've repented and come to faith in God, you need to seek him, right? The third step I see is, once you have done these things, and once you've placed your faith, then you must be baptized. Do you see that in the passages? It's pronouncing your faith in Jesus. I think he's talking about particular, the first part of this is speaking of water baptism, which is a symbol of to the world that you are a believer of Jesus, right? It's a symbol that your sins, they were placed on the cross. Jesus took your sins. They were buried. Then they were, as you come out of the water, you were washed clean. You're a new creation. You're born again, washed clean from your sins. That's what water baptism is. Water baptism is an outward 
obedience, showing to the world that you belong to Jesus, that you are a believer, that Jesus is your Lord. The last step I see here is Jesus, Peter's talking about the Holy Spirit, right? He's teaching that you will receive the Holy Spirit during this process. This is the gift that we've been talking about, the gift that's been promised to all of us as followers of Jesus. This, this is what empowers the Christian, empowers them to go out and live their life in a way that would be pleasing to the Lord. Because we can't do it without the Holy Spirit. So as we close up today, I really, I see two main points. The first one I'd like to go over is preaching the word through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Verse by verse, chapter by chapter, will always be this church's focus, right? We will always point people to Jesus. That's what Peter did here. He taught through the scriptures, through the empowering of the Holy Spirit, verse by verse, always pointing people to Jesus. He lays it out, right? We must teach God's word. The second point I'd like to look at, as I begin this sermon, I asked everyone a question. What question did I ask? Who remembers it? I asked each of you, are you experiencing the Holy Spirit working in your life, right? I asked, you know, these four different ways, your personal, your family, your church, the world around you. I, you know, I can't answer that question for you, but I would like to read a passage concerning this. If you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I want to read verses 4 through 11, starting in verse 4. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same God. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one gives the, the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and the other ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern while a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. This is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, giving different people different gifts to go out into all these different areas that I talked about and share Jesus. That's what it's about. It's about sharing Jesus. You know, as we, as I get ready to close, and when I pray, I ask that you join with me in prayer. I want to, you to pray. If, first, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let's pray that you would come to know Him as your Lord and Savior. But maybe there's some of you out there that say, I'm a believer, I believe in Jesus. But when I asked that question, you didn't know how to answer it. Let's pray that today you would experience this outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon your life. That you would see God working in your life, empowering you to go out and fulfill whatever he's called you to do through these different giftings. Right? So you'll be able to go out and personally and experience that. To experience it in your family and experience it in your church and the world around you. Let's pray that God's Spirit would be poured out upon each of us, right? And just upon this country that the love of Christ would be shared in this way. Because through the Holy Spirit, we will be equipped to go out and share this good news. Please pray with me. 
Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this opportunity. As we read about this, this sermon that Peter gives, Lord, he just full of your spirit, Lord. And these other disciples, full of your spirit, speaking in different languages, just going out boldly before these people that would, Lord, these people that would like to kill them for what they're doing, Lord. But instead of killing them, Lord, through your Holy Spirit and their conviction through your Holy Spirit, they come to believe, Lord. They ask, what can we do to be your followers? Lord, I just pray that each of us would have that outpouring, Lord, that we would go out throughout our world, Lord, starting personally in our families and our church. And Lord, we would just be able to share this good news, share with others the love of Christ. Lord, I just know that, you know, as Peter, he just shared the scriptures. He shared the word of God. And the Holy Spirit convicted people, convicted them of the sins, and then pointed them to our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what I pray for for everyone out there, Lord, that you would... Use us in the same ways that you used Peter, same way that you used the disciples, Lord. We would just go out full of your spirit, Lord. As I, I know Peter, he wasn't an eloquent, eloquent speaker or he wasn't educated, but Lord, you used him, Lord. You used him in mighty ways. So Lord, I just pray that each of us would experience this outpouring, Lord. We'd experience this empowering from you, Lord. And Lord, if there's anyone out there that doesn't know you as you, their Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would convict them, just as you convicted these people in these passages today, Lord, that they would ask, what should I do? What do I need to do to be a Christian or a follower of Jesus? What do I need to do to have my sins forgiven? What do I need to do to have eternal life in heaven? They would ask these questions, Lord. So, Lord, I praise you and I thank you, Lord. And I just ask for your Holy Spirit to help point in on this message, Lord, that it would just go out to this country, Lord, and just bless these people and bless this country. Please keep us all safe this week and watch over us. In Jesus' name, amen.